0: It's good to be back. Debbie and I had a great time visiting family. We got down to see her sister that we haven't seen in a number of years, and that was great. And then we were able to go down to visit with our son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren. And our little granddaughter is amazing. She is five going on 18. <laughs> my wife has the best time with her, and I enjoy watching. <laughs> I know my limitations. <laughs> but it was really great, and we, uh, we put a few miles, 2,700, on the car. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great time. I was so grateful to have that time with my wife all alone when we were driving. And uh, But we got back here, drove into Rome, unpacked the car, and immediately ran down here for VBS. And if you were involved in VBS, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you were praying or taking care of the babies or making food or whatever parts you had, m- supplies, you'll never know this side of heaven, the impact that you've had to see the children being kids and having fun and it all being about God and His love and His love for them and how good He is to them and for them. and You know, we have always been an exceptional church when it comes to VBS. We do really amazing things and And with what's happened over the past couple of years, we weren't able to do it, but we're getting back into it. And and I, honestly, I I many times would just kind of be off to the side and watching, and it just brought tears to my eyes because you know that lives are being changed. But it's not just the lives of children, it's families. And it's parents and grandparents and other siblings and, and neighbors and It doesn't stop. God's going to use this in in amazing ways. And to watch people that are willing, like Brad, John Brody, other people that are willing to get out of their comfort zone for the sake of a child. And, you know, that's what God did for us. Jesus got out of his comfort zone. Jesus left heaven. I, I, I don't think any of us have any real ability to comprehend how amazing heaven is. It's just going to blow our minds. It's so good because it's perfect. But Jesus was willing to leave that to come into this earth in all its chaos, in all the, the, the sin, and was willing to not only just come. He didn't just come. He grew up in this world and then went to the cross and died for us, with very few ever at that moment appreciating what he was doing or understanding what he was doing. But he did it because of love. And God loves us so much, and nothing will ever change that. But it's coming to that place of realizing God loves us and being willing to receive the love of God, being being willing to trust the God who loves us, who has a plan for us that's better than we could ever understand or comprehend, but it's his plan. It's for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. And that's where, you know, we are so blessed. Because in this country, we have freedom to be able to to learn about God and to share God with other people without being in, in danger of being arrested or even killed. And I'm so grateful for that. But while we were gone, uh, we went to church and I heard some great messages. Um, one from Pastor Tony at Lanier Point Church and was really blessed by that. But also heard a message from a guy by the name of Dave Parker. And, and Dave spoke about why church is important. And it's a, there's a place for everyone and a purpose for everyone and a part for everyone. And, and it was a great message. And if you didn't hear it, you need to. Uh, it blessed me greatly. Thank you, Dave. And Judy Alvarez spoke on Minding My Mind. And uh, as always, Judy did a great job. And she had a poster that just caught my eye, and, and I've written it down uh, in her, her message. And the poster was Thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character becomes your destiny. And it's true. And if we're not intentional about what we do, we're going to slide into all sorts of thought patterns and actions and habits and become what we never wanted or expected to become because there's a flow in this world. You know, there's a current, and the current is, is not good, and that's why we have to be intentional about what we, what we think and what we say and what we do and, and the character that we are building in our lives for the destiny that God has for us. We can't, we can't fulfill God's destiny without God's character. And Judy would talk to one, a little bit about joy, and, and joy is something we don't see in our, our world, joy and gladness and and things like that, rarely do we see it. You see pockets of it. But there's a desperation in our world. There's a a sadness because our world is broken. That's why Jesus came. But that joy, you know, that's what God has for us. God has for us to be the most joy-filled people, the most hopeful people, the most peaceful people the most kind people, the most generous people. As Jeremy was talking about, find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and fix it. You know, if we don't do it, no one will because we're the body of Christ. We as Christians are the hands and the feet and the voice of of God in this world. And he's the one that wants to bring healing. He's the one that can only bring hope. He's the one. Jesus, the Prince of Peace that can bring peace to a a troubled heart or mind. And joy, real joy. Not based on circumstance or situation. A joy that can endure through any and everything that it encounters. And that's one of the reasons why we've been learning what we've been learning that Jesus taught in John chapter 15. He taught us about how important being fruitful is. And his words in verse 11 of John chapter 15 indicate why he spoke this. He said, I have told you these things that my joy and delight might be where? We'll we'll try that again. He said that my joy and my delight might be in you. Now listen. We're not talking about any run-of-the-mill joy or delight. We're talking about the joy of the Lord. The Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I don't know about you, but I need strength. Every day I open my eyes. And sometimes it just comes, the day comes, and and I, I wonder what's going on, and then I have to pause and stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not doing this alone. I'm with you and you're with me, and so I don't have to be overwhelmed because you have caused me to be an overcomer. But this this joy and delight be in you. That's, That's why he taught what he taught. And then he said, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure. That's up to the top. Complete. When something's complete, is anything missing? Is anything lacking? No, nothing lacking. Can you imagine your life With joy to the top and nothing lacking? That's hard to comprehend, but it's still what God has for you. And we should be making progress every day, gaining on that, experiencing more joy, more gladness, more peace. Not based on circumstances, but based on our relationship, our trust, our confidence in a God who will never leave us and never fail us. And then he said... Overflowing. It's not just up to the top. It's overflowing, complete, full. Because what God has intended, just as we heard already God was setting us up, we heard that we're supposed to be finding needs and meeting them. It's more blessed to give than receive. We're going to be more joyful, more happy in what we are able to give. And we saw that. Those of us that were involved in VBS, man, I'm telling you, it was, if it, I was so blessed, abundantly blessed. I still think about those things, and it still continues to bless me. I don't know how blessed the kids were. They looked like they were having a great time. But as I would look around at the workers, and I'm going to pick on you, John. You know, I went out to the games, and, and I saw John out there. And John is cheering them on, and he's getting them you know, revved up, and he's having a great time, and and the kids are having a ball. But I don't know who was having a better time, the kids or John. And that's the way it ought to be. But it wasn't just isolated with John in the games. You know, when, when the different teams were doing different things, even the people that were cooking the meal for, well, that was you. You too. They're both pointing at each other you know, you guys cooked the meals for the workers. And there was such a joy in you guys and the people that helped you. You could just see it. And, and those that did it for the kids, every aspect, you could just see this joy, this, this blessing that was rising up because there was a giving out. You know, until we give out, there's no room for more. Think about it. You want fresh blessing? Be blessings. Give it out. Because you can't outgive God. You'll never outgive God. God will always see what you've done, and, and whether it's in secret or in open, and God is going to multiply it back to you. But this joy that, that Jesus speaks about, he taught what he taught because of the joy. Because this fruit that God has for our lives to embody, because this fruit will impact us, benefit us, but it goes beyond us. To all the people around us, it it hits our families, and it hits our friends, and it hits our neighbors, and it hits our our coworkers. And this blessing, just like God spoke to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But I want you to understand, Abraham, that blessing that I bring to you You're going to be a blessing to all the people of the earth. And you know God wants you to be a blessing to all the people around you. And the only way that happens is we let God have his way. And this morning we're going to go back and continue to to, uh, look at what Jesus taught in John chapter 15. But before we do, we're going to pray. So if you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your provision here. Lord, You your word has gone forth. It will continue to go forth. And you said that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders. Father, we thank you that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for illumination and revelation that will cause transformation to work in our lives, a real change, an eternal change, a change from glory to glory. Father, your word is truth and it sets us free. We thank you for those that would be uh, liberated today from the bondage of sin and, and uh, depression and, and delivered, Father, from things that have hindered them because whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. And, Father, we thank You for Your Word that, uh, that will not return void, Your Word that is life and health to those who find it. Today, Father, whether people are here or watching on, t- on online, Lord, we just thank you that you're sending your word to heal and to make whole and to comfort and strengthen. Lord, we thank you for the good work that you've begun, that you are faithful to complete because you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So Jesus was talking about uh, how this joy is going to come, but it's because of fruit. And this fruit that we've been learning about, there's, there's a couple of different types. One fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the faithfulness and self-control, and all of those things benefit us, but they not only benefit us, when when I have this fruit in my life because I'm allowing God to have His way and work in my life, I'm trusting God and I'm following God, then the immediate most benefit goes to the person I'm closest to, and that's, that's my wife. If I'm kinder, and I'm more joyful, and I'm generous, and, and, and I'm patient, her life is going to be a lot better. And she should be seen, and we talked about this a couple of times. Um, we had a, a pipe burst, and uh, I, I came home to just all this mess, and I didn't react the way I had in times past. And I said, I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm doing better. And she said, yeah, you are. But, but, you know, we all the people around us benefit from this fruit, the character of God that develops in us as we allow God to do what only He can do and we partner with Him. And then there's, there's the fruit of our works. You know, our works that that glorify God and also reveal God to other people when, when we're doing what God has for us to do being what God has for us to be there's an impact on all the people around us and and he, Jesus taught that that this fruit that develops in our lives is a lot like fruit that develops in a vineyard and there are stages different stages to it and uh, in verse 1 through verse 5 we're going to read it this morning uh, again, this is not new, but we're going through it to uh, take it apart to understand. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, takes it away. Bears more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. nothing. Now, that, that can be offensive. What do you mean I can't do anything? I do a lot of things. Yeah, but, but the reality is the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 13 helps us understand that if we don't do what we do, guided and governed by God, who is love, it amounts to nothing, nothing of eternal value. We can do a lot of things, but the motivation behind it, if it's not God, if it's not love, it is not going to be what we are hoping it will be. It's not going to be eternal, and it's not going to be lasting in its impact. And so, Right here, we see that we can't do anything without God, but we erroneously think or arrogantly think, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do the other thing. And we do all sorts of things, and then we have to call God in to clean up the mess. Or am I the only one that that happens to? So looking at this, we looked at the first part where where Jesus said, I'm the vine, the Father is the vine dresser, and the vine dresser is the one that would go through the the vineyard every day. Every day. Do you know that that grapes are one of the most labor-intensive crops to grow? It takes more attention and effort. The first seven years of a, a grapevine being planted usually is not really productive. It takes seven years to get to the place where it's really beginning to be productive. And isn't that true about us? We don't, we don't come into the kingdom and all of a sudden we're just full-blown Christians. Man, we got to grow up. There are a lot of things that have to be adjusted. And, and we need a lot of attention by God and other believers that'll help us learn what this new kingdom is like that we're in. Because this kingdom that we're in is really different than the world that we've been living in. The principles, the values, the ways are totally different. And you can't have what the kingdom of God has planned for you and what God has planned for you continuing to take the actions of the world and the attitudes of the world. We have to be transformed. We have to go through this, this change. And our salvation is immediate, but that ongoing transformation is lifelong. We're always going to be growing and developing in Christ throughout our life in this earth. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. But until then, we're always going to be growing, 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 changing. And so he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And we found out that that's not the best translation. It actually means he lifts up. He takes away from where it is because Vines want to grow down in the dirt, and the dirt causes them not to be fruitful. So the vine dresser comes along and trains the vine to go along a trellis or a wire to keep it up where it can bear fruit. Uh, Without that, the fruit will never develop. And so there's an adjustment. There's a change. There's a lifting that God does. And we have to realize that God's lifted us. He's lifted us and set us free from the power of sin. But how many of you know, even being set free from the power of sin, we can still sin. Right? And God wants us not only to be spiritually free from sin. He wants us to be physically free from sin. Because the wages of sin, what sin produces in our life is death. And and Jesus came so that we would be freed from that sin. And so... He trains us, and the way he does it, we found out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, That, and these are words in the Bible, but they have meaning that is not necessarily what we understand them to be. He chastens us, and he rebukes us. And the word chasten isn't that negative thing where he's beating us up. What it means is to inform, to educate, to tutor, to mentor, uh, to train, to discipline, and to correct. Because in this new kingdom, we need to be educated. We need to be mentored. We need to be trained. We, we need to be uh, disciplined, and we need to be corrected because we'll get off track. We'll go back to those old ways that are the ways of the world that are not going to work in the kingdom of God. And, and expect what God has for us, but not practicing what God's said for us to do. And then rebuked. The rebuke is a strong correction. And the reason why that God, God does that is when he chases us, when he e- educates us, when he mentors us, when he, he tutors us, when he trains us, when he disciplines us and corrects us, if we don't take that training, he is going to strongly correct us. And, and why does God strongly correct us? Because he's mad at us? You know, a lot of people think God gets mad at us. God loves us. God loves every human being. God does not hate anyone. Never has. But God loves everyone, but God hates sin. And the reason why God hates sin is because what sin does in a human being's life. It brings death and destruction. God God is a God of life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The moment we move off the path of God by our choice, now we may be tempted, we may be deceived, but we get off track with God. And the moment I get off track with God, I'm starting to track with the enemy. And what he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. Bring destruction to my life. Bring death in my life. Want to rob me from what God has already given and if, if I fall prey to that, then all of a sudden things start working in my life that God never intended, and I start experiencing things that God, Jesus died that I wouldn't have to experience. And so, that's why he, he rebukes us, he strongly corrects us, because he wants to help us get back on track. He's not doing that because he's angry, he's doing that because he loves us. And so that's the first part. So we go from no fruit to fruit. But there's a danger in beginning to see fruit in our lives. People say, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm seeing change in you. And we can get really complacent. And we can get really deceived. We can come to that place of of what happened in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, with one of the churches that Jesus addresses, the church of Laodicea. They became complacent, they were comfortable, they were deceived. And and uh, the Lord addresses them, and they say, "You know, we are we are rich, and prosperous, and have no need of anything." Now, how many of you know? We all have a perception of what we're like and what we have. I know. I know a family that had three, four girls. The girls grew up in the family, and They thought that they were lower middle class, but not realizing that their father and their family were millionaires. They just thought their life was just kind of common, but it was elevated above a lot of people's lives, but they didn't realize it. You know, we don't realize where we are. We think we do, but nobody has the full perspective on their life. Only God knows completely about what our lives are like. And so we, we, we have this perception, and the Laodiceans had that perception that they were rich and prosperous and had no need of anything. And, and the Lord said to them, no, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. And this was a revelation to them because they thought they were something that they were not. And, and that's where we've got to realize that... <clears throat> There are, are things that we don't have the ability to comprehend, but God comprehends everything openly and completely. And they were complacent. We can get complacent saying, you know, I've got fruit. i got more fruit than, than Mark does. I'm doing good. But the Bible tells us not to compare. The only person we can compare to is who? Jesus. He's the one we're supposed to be imitating. Be imitators of Christ. And so we look at him as our model. We can't compare because God doesn't compare us. So we are looking to become more and more like Jesus every day. And, and that's where we, we can start to see fruit in our lives and think, well, I'm good. I don't have to do any more. But God always wants you to go on to more. Not because he's trying to push you. God wants to take us from glory to what? Glory to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. No end to God's glory. And there's no end to what God wants to do in your life except we limit him. And so that's where these these things are necessary. We start to produce fruit and we think, okay, you know, sin's out of my life. I've got a handle on that. But you know, you're always going to be working on that because the pull of sin is always there, always in our lives. The sin is trying to pull us back into the dirt. But the second stage is fruit to more fruit. And the way that happens is it happens through, it requires God's pruning, okay? And, and we're going to look at this in verse 2, and I just skipped over the, the sheet. This sheet, there are some of these out, out there, uh, we've been filling them in as we go, uh, but we're going to go right to verse 2 of uh, John 15 because it says this, <clears throat> every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, you would think he leaves it alone. It's bearing fruit. I'll leave it alone. It's good. But it says he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Now, when it says he prunes it, what, what happens in the pruning process? What is pruning? Yeah, cutting things away, cutting things back, right? And, and the purpose of that is not damage. It's development. Is that correct? And I will tell you that the first time we have a tree in our yard that's, it's not a big tree, but it, it has all these blossoms on it. And... Uh, we enjoyed the blossoms the first year, and we were told by the people that sold us this, this little tree, you got to cut it back. You got to prune it. When, when it gets brown, prune all those blossoms off. And I'm feeling bad for the tree. We get done, and I'm like cutting it, and I, I don't want to cut it too short. And found out that I didn't cut it short enough that we needed to really cut it back, and I thought I killed It looked terrible. But the next year, it came back even more full of blooms now why was that it was because the tree could concentrate on a lesser area and produce more and in vines in the grapevine one of the things a grapevine does it grows as fast as as far as it can but that's very counterproductive for fruit producing, because all the energy goes into out, farther, newer. And isn't that like us? We, we want newer. We want more. And God wants deep and developed. And so he prunes us. And in pruning us, it's, it's a cutting away of things. And how many of you know when you get cut, it hurts? I, I was uh, with Frank and Kim this morning, as, as the grandkids are walking in, and one of, one of his grandsons goes, look. And there's a little cut on his finger. And, and, you know, cuts attract our attention. We don't like cuts. We don't like pain. But I have to tell you something. You're going to have pain. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. I didn't want to learn that. Well, you don't have to come to church to learn it. You just have to live. There's pain that comes to all of our lives. Is that not true? And I will tell you this. There's good pain and there's bad pain. And some of you are like, what do you mean good pain? What are you into? (laughs) No. I'm telling you right now. There is pain that's destructive. Now, a lot of you... you commented to me after I went through my back surgery. They said, wow, you've really changed. What do you mean I've changed? They didn't do anything up here. They did it back here. No, you've really changed. You look different. You stand different. You act different. And I said, geez, you know, I was trying to hide it as best I could. I didn't do a very good job. But that pain was destructive. It was was destroying me in my back. But then I had to go through pain of surgery. And the pain of surgery was real pain. But there's a difference between the destructive pain and the healing pain. And you're either gonna continue to experience the destructive pain of this world and just let it go on and on and on, because we're not lined up and we're not focused and we're not tracking with God, or we're going to be able to allow God to bring some pain in pruning our lives, that our lives are going to get stronger and fuller and better and more fruitful than ever before. You know, there was an old commercial, a guy that was I, I, it was about an oil product for your car. He said, "You're either going to pay me now, or you're going to pay me later.
1: And we're going to pay.
0: We're going to, we're going to have pain. You're either going to have it, and it's going to destroy you, or you're going to have it, and it's going to develop you. And God wants to develop you through this pruning process. And so we see this, we understand this. But even the Bible bears this out throughout all sorts of, of scriptures. But I want to ask you this very obvious question: Is God essential?" Or is he an add-on? All right. When you say essential, what does essential mean to you? Got to have it. Can't live without it. All right. Let's 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 go another step. Is air essential? Is air as essential as God? Ah ha 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 ha. See, we we. We know we're in church, so the right, right answer has to be yes, but if, if, if God is as essential as air, is our life showing that we are absolutely dependent on God every day, every minute, every second, or are we doing life without God? Is he kind of an add-on, we're doing life without God until the wheels fall off and the bottom drops off and we can't handle what's going on because of what we chose. And we say, hey, you, come here. Rescue me from what I did. Don't you think it would be much better to involve him in the beginning, not just at the end? And if God is really essential, then we need to have this living relationship. There's this new and living way we're supposed to walk in. And it's, it's a total trust and dependence. It's a constant communion and interaction with God. Because there's no one that cares more about you. No one has a better plan for you. No one that can do more for you than God. And yet, oftentimes, and I've done this, I can't tell you how many times I've cycled through this where I, I'll, I'll, God, I am going to involve you in everything. And and. You know, it's not like I just get crazy, but I recognize that the truth is, without God, I can do nothing. With God, all things are possible. And God wants to be involved in our lives. He's given us this life, and He's the only one that can lead us in this path of life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so with that, we need to recognize in Matthew 6, verse 24, the Bible tells us you can't serve two masters. You can't. There are only two kingdoms in this world. We have all these countries, all these governments, but only two kingdoms. Two true kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And they are the ones that are influencing, affecting all the other governments and kingdoms and peoples. When you look at people today and the things that people are doing to each other, that's fruit. But that's fruit of the kingdom of darkness. And we as a church need to rise up in this day, this hour, this time with the fruit of, this, of God, the fruit of the kingdom of light, the fruit of love. Because the Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Light always overcomes darkness. And so that's where, that's where we need to recognize. There's, there's this adjustment we need to make because we can't serve two masters. The Bible tells us we'll either hate one and love the other or be loyal to one and despise the other. We got to make a choice. Every choice we make is a decision on who we are serving. And if we don't choose to serve God, we'll end up serving the enemy's purposes and plans. Not intentionally, not because we're out to do bad, but because we aren't intentionally doing good and walking in what God has, being disciplined, being informed, being educated, being tutored, being mentored. We're going to slide into old ways. And the old ways are not the new ways. They're not the living ways. And so we have to experience this transformation. And and there is a, a purging that has to happen, a cleansing, a clipping off, a cutting off of some of the things that have been going on in our lives. I know standing here that not everything that I'm doing in my life is good for me. And I'm pretty well assured that everything in each one of your lives you're doing is not all good for you. And so there's an adjustment. If we're going to get better, we're going to get healthier, we're going to get stronger, we're going to get more full of peace, more full of joy, more full of hope, more full of life, we've got to cut off some things. And there are some things we really like that God wants us to cut off. But we can't serve too. You know, Jesus Jesus made this very clear. And he's our example. But we also see it even before that in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua was ending his his, uh, leadership of Israel. He was stepping away. And he gathered all Israel and he said to them, Fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, when he makes that statement, he makes the statement, but he follows it up with intentional choices to stay aligned with God. We've got to do the same thing. Who are we going to serve? What gods do we have in our lives? Because, you know, I, I have told, told this story before, but I was very hesitant to go to India. And God was stirring my heart and Debbie's heart to go to India to to see the work that we support in India of Stuart and Chantal, Winograd Reach Initiative. And I said, you know what? We'll send the money. I don't want to go. And I was trying to understand why. And I found out that I had some prejudices. And and my prejudice, my 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 hesitation was all the gods they have. It wasn't about the number of people or you know the the cleanliness of the country. I've been in some really tough places. But it was just I didn't want to be around all that stuff. And I had to repent. And Debbie and I went and and it was life changing. But but you look at places like that or Haiti and you see all this idolatry and, and worship of other gods, multiple gods, and we see it throughout the Bible. But, you know, we have this in America. It's more refined, but we have all sorts of idolatry, things we worship, things we bow down to, things we need more than we need God, things we give our time to. Our loyalty to. And every one of those things is diluting our loyalty to God. It's robbing our lives of what God has for us. And sometimes we don't even know it. That's why it says that God the Father is the vine dresser. He comes through and he prunes He shows us what needs to be cut off. Now, we have to choose because he'll never make us do anything. But he'll say, you know what, this has got to go. And right now, I'm going to tell you there are some of you in this place today and you online that you have relationships you know that are not helping you grow in God. And you need to cut those off because the price you'll pay is greater than you ever dreamed. There are habits Things that have become just familiar. Well, it's just who I am. I I used to tell God that all the time. This anger, it's just who I am. It's the way you made me. Why are you telling? That's not the way he made me. That's the way I chose to be. I learned to be angry. I learned to be violent. And, And God in his grace and in his mercy have helped to transform my life. Can the anger come back? At any time. But not when I'm choosing to give myself to God. Who are you gonna serve? Who are you gonna give place to and give life to? Jesus showed us how committed he was and how this really worked out in his life. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said this He said, I'm able to do nothing for myself, independent of my own accord but only as I'm taught by God and as I get his orders. Now listen, if anybody could be trusted to make his own decisions, don't you think it would be Jesus? Come on. And yet he didn't rely on himself. He wasn't gonna do his own will. He was, and do you know that Jesus struggled with this? Do you know where we see it, the most prominent? Is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus is praying, God, Father, if this cup can pass away, if I can bypass the cross, I want to bypass the cross. Because he didn't want it. There was pain there. But that pain he was going to go through was going to bring gain to you and me. And so he was willing to deny himself. Not my will, but your will be done. Only as I am taught by God... And as I get his orders, even as I hear, I judge, I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, Holy Spirit, so I give a decision. My judgment is right, just, and righteous because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own pursuit, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Do you know, we grow up in this earth, before we come to Christ, the person whose will most times we're looking to fulfill is ours. And it's very hard to get out of that habit because it's so natural to us. It's so normal. And this is so abnormal to us to live to fulfill somebody else's will because we've done that before at times and it's not worked out real well because that person didn't have our best interests at heart. But I want you to know you can trust God. His will is always the best for you and the best for other people. This wasn't a one-time shot that Jesus said something like this. When we look at John chapter 8, verse 28, he said this, When you lift up the Son of Man, and then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. I do nothing of myself. How did Jesus' life work out? Man, it was the best. It blessed everyone that was willing to receive the blessing that He provided. It brought salvation. Verse 29, He said, And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I, what? Always do those things that please him. Oh, man, if I'm always doing the things that please God, what about me? But God was setting us up. It's more blessed to give. If I'm pleasing God, God is going to take care of me. One of the things you and I and we all have proven is we can't take care of ourselves. Oh, I know. We're okay. I'm, I'm, I've am got my head above water. No, you don't have the abundant life that God has for you doing it your way. The only way you and I are going to have the abundant life that God has for us is having him in charge, him governing, him guiding us allowing him to prune off things in our lives that are destructive that we think, oh, no, I love this, I love this. I love salt. I put it on everything. No, I don't. I don't, I don't usually use salt, but you know what I'm talking about? There are things we like, we like, we like them a lot. But they're destroying our lives. And God doesn't want your life destroyed. He wants your life to be prosperous and abundant. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus was speaking and calling the people to himself with his disciples, and he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. You know, he tells us in a progressive way how this is supposed to happen. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You can't, you can't make your life what God has planned for it to be. Only he can. And when we release it to God, when we let God be in charge, when we let God lift us, And help keep us out of sin. The Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. He's the one that's trying to pull you back into sin. The enemy's trying all the time to pull us back into sin and destroy our lives. And if we'll submit to God, if we'll yield to God, if we'll track with God, if we'll follow God, if we'll obey God, oh, but he's asking so much of me. Do you know that what you're going to get for what he's asking is going to be fo- so far beyond what you ever imagined or dreamed? The Bible says eye hasn't seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I want you to understand when Jesus said, this is the way I know you love me. You keep my commands. It's not saying, oh, I love you, Lord. Because if I love God, I'm not gonna do things that hurt him. So if I'm saying I love him and I'm going out and doing all sorts of things that he said don't do, I don't love him, I love me. I'm doing what I want. And those are the things we need to have, have his help to prune. God's going to put his finger on some things. And some of you today, I know, some of you today, you're aware of things that God's putting his finger on, saying this has got to go. It may be a habit. It may be a thought pattern. It may be a relationship. But be aware. There is a cost for disobeying God. And God doesn't bring it. The disobedience brings it. If we'll release our lives to God, we'll actually gain our lives. Because the only one that knows what real life is like is the God of life. And he wants us to experience that. But one last thing that is very challenging for us in this area of pruning is that there are a lot of good things and this is not a choice between evil and good so much. The evil was taken care of at the first stage that God lifts us up that God chastens us. This is about self and it's about our ability to choose God over good because good is not always God. There are a lot of things that look good. Do you remember the fruit in the Garden of Eden? Eve looked at it and said, oh, this is good. It's pleasing. And where would that get her? Same way it gets us when we choose good over God. There's a way, the Bible says, that seems right or good to man. In the book of Proverbs, two places, whose end is the way of death. We can't trust that. The only one we can always trust to give us the right direction, the right guidance is God through his word and his spirit. And that's where we're going to continue to look at this. We, we studied this for a long time, a series that we did, uh, John Bevere's book, Good or God. And we're, we can't go into that kind of depth, but we're going to look at it a little bit because it's a real challenge in our lives here in America, because there are so many good things, and we get spread so thin. Do you know that the people that that participated in VBS had to say no to something else? There are all sorts of good things. You today, you came here, you had to say no to something else. Maybe you had to say no to your bed. I'm leaving you today, I'm going to see God. But, But you know, our life is a series of choices. Are we going to choose God? Because if we choose God, we're going to experience what God has and we're going to become the people that God has for us to be and be the blessing that God has for us to be to the people we come in contact with. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, this is this is all about, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship that brings freedom. But it's not a freedom that can be, should be used for us to do what we want to do because we'll get ourselves back in that same old hole. Stuck. The Bible says God lifts us up out of the pit, takes our feet out of the miry clay, and sets our feet on the solid rock. God wants you on solid ground. But you got to let him lift you. You've got to trust him. And, and that is what this is about. It's about a relationship that is ongoing and built coming to know God and interact with God and trust God and see that He's trustworthy, that He can do so many things that you never dream possible. And, And He'll guide you through the most hideous minefields and traps, and He'll be with you every step of the way and give you peace and hope and joy that you, in turn, what you've received from Him, you can freely share with other people. But it begins with us realizing our need for a Savior and recognizing Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the one who came to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And today I want to invite, if you've never done this before, invite you to pray a prayer to turn around and turn your life over to God. It's what we call repenting repentance is a good thing if we're on the wrong road we need to get off it and that's what repentance does it gets us off the wrong road onto the right road off serving the wrong one on serving the right one so today if you have never received Christ you've never asked him to be Lord of your life I I would invite you to pray with me today I'm going to invite all of us to pray whether you're at home or here in the sanctuary and if that's you, real quickly with every head bowed, and eye closed, if you just lift your hand and say, That's me, I, I I want to receive Christ. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus, who came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, Lord, I repent. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, come into my life, be Lord of my life. Thank you for cleansing me and making me new. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you recommitted your life today. Just turn back. You realize you were on the wrong path. Let somebody know before you leave because we want to celebrate that. Uh, if you online uh, pray, let us know so we can be praying for you. Go to our website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. If you want con- us to contact you, give us some contact information. Would you stand? Remember a week from tomorrow, we have praise and prayer. I want to invite you all out. Now you can never say, nobody asked me, nobody invited me. I invite you. Come on out. Uh, we've got baptism coming up. It's an amazing time. If you've already been baptized, come out and support the people there. It's, it's an amazing event. Lives are truly changed. Uh, I'm still working on the guy upstairs. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about John. Uh, to to tell us about the baptism and what happened last year with him. Oh, yeah, you got to sign up for it, please. So we have uh, all the things necessary to give to you so you're informed of what we're going to be doing, so you're not taken by surprise. And I won't hold you down until the bubbles get little. It'll just be for a moment. Well, I just want to pray for you. Thank you for coming out today. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for making the choice to be here and for those that you tuned in and, and connected. Uh, I believe it was a good choice, I believe it was a God choice, and uh, I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one of your children here and those that are, are connected online. Lord, thank you for your presence being with us. It's so good that we don't have to go to a church, but we get to go to church and be among believers. You said where two or more are gathered, you are there in our midst. And, Father, those that are connected online, Father, there's no time or distance in the Spirit, but you are always with us. Wherever we go, whatever we encounter, you're with us and you're working in us to cause us to become overwhelmingly more than conquerors. That people would see victory, the victory of Jesus in our lives, and quite frankly, be puzzled. How could they have that victory? But, Father, it would be very evident that it's Christ in us. We want to be witnesses. We want to go out and find needs and meet them, as you guide us to, and and fix hurts, because you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. God, we want to be your hands and feet in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, that Jesus would be lifted up and all people would be drawn unto him. We thank you for your presence, your plan, your provision, and your power that's abundant in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.